think about this for a moment. Music is a conduit of human emotion. And our guest tonight, Justin Ellswick, also known as Sleep Thief, is very gifted at expressing the depths of human emotion through his music. He's going to be joining us in just a few moments to discuss the heart and the passion of his music. And with me in the studio live, I'm going to bring him in right now, is Justin Ellswick, also known as Sleep Thief. Justin, welcome to Raven's Heart. Thank you, Glenn. I'm really excited. It's been a while since I've had an interview, so this is really a treat for me and, and very special. It's very special to me, too. I, I don't want to get too much about me, but Justin's music has played a major influence in my life. Uh, major influence as I was recovering from having a brain tumor removed and a major influence as I was going through a divorce at the same time and just really trying to process emotion. And that's something that we're going to talk about tonight with your music. But let's talk about you first, because I, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I was kind of surprised about this, but I found out that you're a self-taught musician. I would have never guessed that. Um that's true. Where was it and how was it that you discovered you had the gift for music? <clears throat> so essentially, I think some of it, you know, these these sort of proclivities or I mean, some people would say talents or things that were drawn to come, I think, through family line. Right. And my dad in particular, who he passed in 2016, um, he uh, wrote music saying I have some of his early recordings from the 60s, um, played guitar really beautiful voice, like such a good voice. And um, I think I probably inherited some of that from him. But as a young kid, I um, was always just really, I was really pulled into music. Um, one of my first uh, recollections about music as a child was in our church congregation. There was a woman who would always um, sing alto. And whenever we would sit next to her in the in church, I would hear her singing. And as a small, you know, three, four-year-old kid, I didn't know what she was doing, but she was singing a harmony line, an alto line with, you know, the melodic line. And I remember looking at my mom and I remember just, this is such a weird memory because I was so young. And I remember asking her, and I, I, I said, what is, how is she doing that? How is she doing this? And um, so I was, a, I was very aware of music as a kid and particularly harmony. And I think as a, the next, probably the big thing that happened was, is my parents, when I was four years old, got me this old uh, plastic. They used to make these Fisher price record players. <laughs> They're yes. like, it's an old toy company. You basically wind it and it plays these fat sort of thick plastic discs and they would play like children's nursery rhymes. Um, and they got me, my parents, got me that for one year for Christmas when I was four and I went into my room and I just closed the door and for hours. And my mom said, it's such a, she had such a memory of it because she said all the other kids are running around playing with their toys and doing, you know, 
trying their new stuff out. And I just was kind of locked in my room. And she said, I came back, opened the door and there you were like hours later and you were just obsessively listening. So I think like a very early age. And then I would have, you know, as I grew up, I started having, I was very drawn to music um, in the eighties. I was a DJ. A lot of the kids at school would come to me, make, make me a mixtape. Cause those are true mixtapes. People we're not talking yes. about the mixtapes now. These are actually literally cassette tapes. <laughs> and so, you know, I'd have cheerleaders come in and they're like, give us the newest, you know, dance song. And so I was very into that. I started getting into vinyl and, um, I would start having when I when I was at, and starting in adolescence, I would actually go to sleep and I would have dreams about songs um, that didn't exist. And but in my head, it was an artist maybe I would like, and I would be like, oh, they have a new song out. In my dream, I would be in a record store hearing music that didn't exist. Um, so I started actually having dreams about melodies and and so forth. There's an anecdotally the the funniest one because I think most people that know my music knows that the artist Enya, the Irish artist Enya was yes. the one who sort of changed my entire view of mu of what music could be and how it could feel and put me on a path to create music. Like I really have to credit her for making me want to create the music I create. And, but I actually had a dream. This is so embarrassing to admit, but I was in a record store and I walked in and I was like, the, the, the guy behind the counter is like, there's a new Enya album. And I was like, cool. And it was on the, it was on the uh, speakers, but it was a Enya covering Pat Benatar cover album. So <laughs> it's the most random mashup. <laughs> and I remember in my head, I'm like, this is so good. Like she's singing, uh, you know, Shadow of the Night in Enya, you know, it was, it was quite funny. So yeah, so I think very early on and Oop, I lost you there. You're, you're, you got frozen for a second. Just a minute. Is that you? Just a sec. There we, there we go. I'm get you back. Was that me or you? <laughs> that was, that was on your end over there. That's not a problem. We're live. It's okay. Anything happens here. Down, so just keep the lower level and I live on a, I live on a mountainside. So hopefully I got my, let me just make sure I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm up to the network. So hopefully won't be interrupted, but yeah, I think, um, and then I, as a kid, I also would, uh, be at my grandma's and I would always be very interested in trying to understand music. I had uncles that played. Um, so yeah, so I think it was a early on, I was really driven to just really obsessively interested in music and the way it made me feel. So you and I have a lot in common. I had in my house that Fisher price record player too. I remember it very vividly. I also had the Fisher price tape recorder. Ooh. And yes, the Fisher Price tape recorder came with a tape where you could, where they taught you how to make your own radio shows. I was fascinated by that. And also with Enya, when she came out, and that's when CDs really started becoming big as well. And just her music on CD blew me away. My uncle, who was who's a music aficionado, he's also a world renowned audiologist kind of really introduced me to Enya in a lot of ways. And he also introduced me to Lorena McKinnett, who is another revolutionary in music. Great. Yeah. I'm a big fan of hers. I sort of found her by interestingly by happenstance, uh, just browsing in a, in a music store again. And I saw the, the cover, it was the visit, I think was the yes. album, <clears throat> which was sort of her first release with Warner brothers on that label. And I remember going, this looks really mystical. So I'm going to, 
try it. And I remember just being blown away by her as well. She's, I've seen her live twice now and obviously worked with Caroline, her cellist, um, who's a great singer and musician herself. So, Oh, it, it's a small world, Justin. My uncle is actually friends with Lorena. So. <laughs> I know uh, that's, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how many connections there are in, in the music scene. Um, Caroline, actually, the last show that we saw her at in San Diego, um, she she had remembered me. And I sat, I made the mistake of sitting down and playing on her piano. Um, I started playing Snow, which is a, one of her winter songs. And she came in and she's like, hi, Justin, do you want to finish playing for me? And I was so <laughs> nervous because it's Lorena McKenna. I was like, I can't, like I'm frozen. It was really <laughs> awkward. It was quite funny but it was i was so nervous for some reason so that was a, a fun little memory of lorena mckenna that is that's really sweet that's 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 fun so we go from the fisher price record player to enya covering pat benatar and uh, we got a comment and i'm going to bring that up real quick daniel swart a good friend of mine from high school who is out i believe it's in arizona he's at he's watching live tonight love the story about your journey into music justin Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's, I think uh, it's, I look back and it's weird to almost think that I've released music. Cause sometimes I hear my own music and I'm like, I can't even remember how I came up with that. I, it really is almost like hearing someone else do it, but I'm really grateful because as I think you're probably going to, as you touched on and you're probably going to is, is for me, it's the, the most pure form for me of communicating the deepest thoughts and my deepest feelings um, express as far as expressing those things. So it's, it's the medium that is for me the most special. Yeah. That, yeah. We are going to dive into that. And I've been doing some thinking about that a little bit more and some things just really came into my heart and crossed my mind as I was thinking about the preparation and, and a conversation that we had on Monday night on the phone, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. But going from that Fisher-Price record player to Enya covering Pat Benatar, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> how, did the project, how did the project Sleep Thief come to be? Okay, so when I was in college, I bought my first keyboard, and it was an eight-track sequencer keyboard. It was an N-Sonic um, for anyone who's a gear or tech person. And I just, I knew I had melodies, ideas, and I started putting them down. And then um, just a lot of them were pieces and just little, you know, little vignettes of things. And then uh, after a few years, I ended up getting a Korg. Um, I got a keyboard that was, had more tracking. It was all internal. It wasn't like using logic or something. Um, and that's when I started actually like layering songs and exploring. Interestingly, a lot of my early Eurydice um, was actually one of the first songs I wrote um, mm. very interestingly. And there's, I have really early demos of it from my chord, which is funny to hear. Um, and then so I wrote several other pieces um, that were kind of neoclassical. I was very influenced by Carl Jenkins, who created this project, Adi Amos. Some of the people listening may know. Um, it's a symphonic um, world project. The singer's Miriam Stockley. Uh, a lot of times it gets actually confused. People confuse their work with Enya. It's very okay. dense and, and epic. If you haven't heard it, I'll share it with, with you, Glenn. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. 
it, this will this will move you. So when I lived in Ireland, I listened to it a lot and that influenced some of my composition. And then what happened is, is I posted just a few, there was a, a page called Celestial Voices or Heavenly Voices, I forgot. But I posted on that page, um, the guy who ran the page on the web said, oh, can you upload a few demos? I'll upload them for you. And I did, and I started getting people going, wow, I really like this. And interestingly, I was introduced to Kirsty Hawkshaw by someone who heard one of my pieces on this really early demo pieces. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and then I realized I had to understand more of the tech side, which I'm still not great at. Um, I got, you know, my computer, I got logic and I started, uh, you know, buying uh, instruments and fleshing out some of these songs and, and really going, I'm going to go for this. And um, it was really fun. It was really exciting. It was, it was strange. Like, um, some of the songs I'm like, I don't know where that came from, but I'm having fun with this. And then I started the sort of the process concurrently with going, if I could work with different singers, who would I work with? And you know, that I don't, I don't want to run the conversation too much, but that led me to starting to reach out to singers that I had really liked their voices or work. Um, pretty much all the singers that I've ever worked with, I'm fans of their music. Um, mm -hmm. From having heard them so people like Kirsty, you know I, I heard her when she was in opus three in the 90s Christy Thirsk um, you know I heard from delirium Jody I heard from Bally Gomingo Joanna Stevens um, you know I heard from her solar twins project so these were like and Roberta you know she was in the wild strawberries so these were people who I like I bought their music and then mm -hmm. the thought of actually working with people of this caliber I never really thought it would happen because I was just, I didn't, I was not a known, you know, a known quantity. And I started getting people saying, yes, Jody was actually the first person that said yes. And I was just blown away. And then I had people like Caroline LaBelle, um, who I was a huge fan of her work, big fan for several years. I was kind of, I had a crush on her actually. <laughs> <laughs> I finally reached out to her and got the curse. So I started getting this like positive, like, yeah, I want to, I want to, this would be fun. And it just, it sort of snowballed from there. I was going to ask you about that because for those that aren't familiar with Kirsty, she's actually worked with DJ Tiesto as well. And a lot of people know DJ Tiesto, Jody Quine, she's been on billboards. So these are not like people that you found at Jenny Craig that auditioned to be a part of the same thief project. These are people that are very well accomplished. And I also have several delirium CDs on the rack over here as well. Very familiar with their work. Love what they did. And, and what, I mean, I got Anya, I got Lorena McKinnon, I've got Sleep Thief, I've got that, I've got, and then I've got all sorts of other, I've got Nightwish and Within Temptation. I mean, it's just like a, a, a and Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits from 1960 or something too over here. But, yeah. Yeah. But what was it like and how did you go about making these connections? I mean, just even starting out because a lot of people, they just get stuck at that of, well, you know, I'd really like to work with this person, especially, you know, what did you do? Hey, I'm a guy. I'm starting this project. I've got a synthesizer and Hey, you want to jam, but <laughs> how'd you do that's, this? You know, it's a really interesting question because I think in, in some ways this entails how each of us, whether we have the force of will to make things happen. I don't know how to, how to, I don't want to get too off the philosophical side, but I've always been a person. I, I'm definitely not the, obviously the most in nowhere near, 
anywhere near a great piano player and I can get by if I practice, you know, I'm not, you know, a, this prolific, highly acclaimed composer, but I always went, when I, in my life, when I've wanted to do something, it's almost like I say, I'm going to do that. And then I just assume it's, it's going to get done. Like I never look at it like, Oh, there's going to be this or problem. So weirdly, I think part of it was just my mentality. Um, it's not like I try to be assertive or try to be, you know, I have to positively think about this or, you know, make manifest this. That's a really big word, but I just go, I'm going to do this music. I like these singers. I'm going to reach out to them. And I just didn't, I wasn't in a, in a doubting frame of mind at all. And I, I thought if they say no, that's no problem. But I mean, I remember how I did it was I usually composed full or partial piano pieces. So a lot of this was not fully fleshed out, but I would write, piano line melody finish a song like I think with Eurydice I did it on piano and I sent it to Jody and she's like "Ooh, this is lovely like I love where the I love the chords it's complex and so most of the singers um for the well for all albums but to kind of my first album where I was brand new and unknown I reached out and I said here's a, a, an idea either by on piano or a little more fleshed out what do you think of this melody what, what's interesting is that I, I really, Zoe was another example, you know, of someone that I worked with and developed a very close friendship with Zoe Johnston, but I was the biggest, she's one of my favorite singers. And I remember reaching out to her and it was just a really organic development of the friendship. And she, you know, we found something that worked together that I wrote, but yeah, I think it's just, I reached out, I emailed Kirsty was introduced to me in particular by this other fan and he said, you got to work with Justin. He really loves you. And then we just touched base. It was a little, you know, it was a little reticent maybe at first as you don't know these, these people and you're a fan. So you don't want to be too fan like, um, but I just remember saying, you know, Kirsty, this is like, I love your stuff. Your voice to me is one of the greatest. Like I love your electronic work and this is what I'm working on. And she was really sweet. And she's like, yeah, I'm open to it. And then the rapport started. And I think that's, one of the things that I've heard from different singers who do collaborative work, which a lot of my, the, my friends, I call them my friends because I'm so close to a lot of the singers. Now they, they come and stay with me, for example, or visit, but they have had really different experiences depending upon who they work with. Some artists that they work with, will just put them in a studio and say, we've mapped everything out. Here's the song. Here's the vocal line. We wrote the lyrics. You just sing. And they, they direct them. Me, I never wanted that. I was always like, this is the core idea and emotion behind the song or the story. What do you think about it? And I really liked that collaborative effort. And because of that, I think it's helped in the music, but it's also helped the relationship. Like if they don't feel the emotion behind it, um, then it's not going to be authentic because it's my underlying music, you know? So yeah. it has to inspire something in the singer to give it that depth, I think. Absolutely. I'm just sitting here listening to everything that you're saying. and I'm just absolutely fascinated by the way that the songs come to you. And I'm fascinated by the way that you made these connections. And what you were describing to me is in stepping out, and this is the way that I live, in stepping out and making these connections with these world-class, and they are world-class singers and artists 
it was a step of faith. You were just taking a step of faith, oh. leaping out into the dark. Yes, absolutely. That is a hundred percent the case. I had no credentials. I had nothing but you know songs that I thought had had value. Um, they had value to me emotionally, and I think I I write from a weird place because I maybe other artists do this. I don't know, but. Israel, my, who's, who is my mix engineer, and he's my producer that works with me as well. He co-produces. He's a genius. I'll bring songs to him, and sometimes he just goes, he's like, Justin, oh, my gosh, like, do you need, like, this many chord changes? Or, like, this is kind of not standard, you know, pop songwriting. He'll tease me sometimes because he's like, wow, dude, that's really unusual. But I've always just wrote the way that the chords need to go. Like, I... As I'm playing, if I if I run up against a wall, and I'll I'll take a break, and then eventually I find that golden chord to take the song forward. Um, so for me, it's not even it's not mathematic. It's not it's not a mental exercise. It's literally just going. I like that chord. This next chord sounds good. Oh no, it doesn't. Actually, this sounds better. And that's how I write. So um, I think because it comes from that place. And I know that there's emotion. I have a clear story or emotion behind it. When I present it to the singers, they, I think they pick up on that somehow. Yeah. It's a yeah. little mystical. <laughs> I was going to say, and that's how I was going to quantify it. Your music is spiritual. There is absolutely no question about it. It was medicine to me when I was going through a literal living hell and nightmare both physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Uh, I, I, had, uh, I had left a very bad spiritual situation as well at the time, and it was exactly what I needed spiritually. It was given to me. It was a gift. Your music, Justin, was a gift to me at a time that I needed it, and I, I want you to know that. And you had no idea. You know, it, It's really crazy because when you're writing a song, you have no idea who it's going to reach. And but I was one of those people that your music reached and, and impacted me so much. And I want to share one of your songs because we're talking about it. And there's a lot of people that I know that are watching and going to watch this on replay that are not familiar with your music. And I want them to understand exactly, get a, a touch, feel, taste, you know, see what it is that you do. And the first song that got me hooked, and it's just raw emotion to the max, is you did a good thing. It's the first song that got me got me hooked, and it really helped me through a lot of the things that I was going through. When you wrote this song, before we play it, what is You Did a Good Thing About? Well, number one, you almost made me cry. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So thank you. It means a lot to me um, that it helped you. So thank you. So you did a good thing. Um, interestingly, the music which I gave to Nicola. Um, I had an idea about a general feeling that involved sacrifice and loss related to someone trying their very best. And what's so interesting is she came back with the lyrics that were actually inspired by the story Snow Falling on Cedars. It was also made into a film. It was about the Japanese internment that happened um, here in America. Uh, it's a great film. It's, it's very um, glacial. Yep. 
lost Justin again. We'll get him back. Little glitch in the uh, little glitch in the in the live stream here. We'll get him back hey, in just a second. Story. There we go. Oop. We're back. There we go. <laughs> oh, sorry if it's me. Like I said, I'm on a hillside. But yeah, it, it's take. She was inspired to write the lyrics from Snow Falling on Cedars, uh, the novel, and then it was made into a film. And it's about the Japanese internment um, that happened here um, in the United States. Um, it's a very it's a very somber movie. And so she was inspired to write the lyrics from that. So it was again a collaborative thing where I weirdly the things that I was feeling tied into the story that she referenced wow now i know the story behind the song it's always been a mystery to me because it just drives the human emotion and this is you did a good thing by sleep thief you're in for a treat if you've not ever heard this before
There is so much going on there. Uh, just listening to it again, and the words of that song really are so refreshing. And I was just thinking, in my situation, I know there's a lot of people that are in these type of situations today where everybody's the critic with what you do. It, it gets to the point where it's crushing. I remember when I was going through the situation I was going through in my life, everybody was the critic. It was, it was hard. And you didn't know if what you were doing was the right thing or or a good thing. But just, just to hear that voice, that sweet voice to say you did a good thing. And it was the right thing. And just to hear that, to bring that assurance. And you know, I do this, but in my regular line of work and what I do and everything like that, it's kind of a rough and tumble world where emotions get bottled up. And Justin, you were sharing with me the other night that you get a lot of military guys that have found your music. I do. In fact, one of the most... I've had a I've had a good handful of them. Uh, one guy wrote me uh, some years ago. They were stationed, I think, I want to say they were in they were in the Middle East, and I think they were in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, and he was saying how he would play it for his whole um, I don't know at what level, but a platoon basically the group of the group of guys and girls. And he said, like, every morning we listen to your music and like all of us just it like lifts us for the day. Like it's kind of become our ritual. Um, that's a big deal, you know. It is. It it's, is. You're uh, serving the men and women who serve this country with what you're doing. What you're doing is so profound, Justin. I am just so amazed by what you do, your gifting, your artistry and the spiritual aspect of it. And Raven's Heart, it's a prophetic arts live stream and podcast. There's no question about it. And what you do, this is the word that comes to me for you, is what you produce, what you create is prophetic medicine. Oh, thank you very much. It's that prophetic medicine. And I'm just... It's so awesome. Thank you. And, and I, I was just so humbled when you said yes, that you would come on with me and, oh, and discuss these things. Glenn, like you, honestly, these are the things that keep me going. Like I, to know that, you know, when I hear from people who have gone through really difficult things, some of it's very deeply personal. Some of it's sort of more exposed and to know that the music they really turn to that or that something elevated them or lifted them when they were in their lowest. Like it doesn't get for me, like I get really overwhelmed by it. I'm very emotional by it. Um, Cause I just didn't know that would happen, but it's the literally, I can never make a dime for my money to know that someone benefited in a hard time or in a low point or in a, in despair you can't do anything better as a human being, right? Yeah. Nothing rewarding. So I thank you for, for letting me come on. It's like a real treat. Like I said, I just, I'm blown away. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just so excited. There's a couple other things I want to talk about sure. before we get to the, the spirit of the season that we're in right now, because you and I, I think we were separated at birth somewhere with our tastes and music and, and, and likes for things. But um, what you do, 
going back to the music and what we just listened to with you did a good thing it's not just a song there's a lot of songs i mean i don't even listen to regular radio anymore because it's just really poorly produced songs for the lowest common denominator that that are played on that are played on radio and i can say it it's my show i i, I can say that i like music that reaches the spirit that touches the heart that that's what i like things that open my eyes and my, my thinking and give me revelation of different things. That's the kind of music that I like. But what you're doing is you're creating an atmosphere. It's not, it's an experience. How would you describe the atmosphere that you're creating? Is that something that you've given thought to, or has anybody else told you, Hey, this is an atmosphere. Can you help put our, put our finger on that atmosphere? Yeah. I mean, I think it, de it depends on the song in general. I, my songs are written, usually I have something in mind. So I think one of the critiques I would have of a lot of modern music is the thematic nature is very limited. It's usually about mm -hmm. a relationship, love, sex, you know, or, you know, going to the club, going to the club, <laughs> um, or, you know, revenge on someone. So it, it, to me, those emotions are a little more base, although they're part of who we are. You know, it's those are things that but those are those are things that are commonly topics of music. And for me, the storytelling aspect, while I do have there's a couple of songs in particular that are very much about me and an experience I had. Um, I like to look at ideas of that like things like certain philosophical concepts, um, the nature of existence, the nature of loneliness, the nature of God. Um, I have a trilogy, you know, of songs on each album that, that are named after um, Greek uh, female characters in history um, because Greek mythology and Greek stories are to me like some of the greatest um, literary um, pieces in, ever. Um, the stories are so intense and I was always as a kid, very inspired by Greek mythology. So, um, I think starting with an idea that is bigger than just like, yeah, I want to go get wasted I or I want to key someone's car or I want to, I want to hook up with this person. Um, you know, all great subject matter. Sometimes those pop songs are fun. Um, but I, I've never been drawn to that. that that's not what I think about as on my daily so, for example, I'll give you an example. Desire of Ages, which is a track with Shelley Harlan on my first album. That song is about <clears throat> the um, ages old desire of humans to find safety and security. And um, when I wrote that song and the concept behind it, and the ideas behind it, it was all these people through ages of time, you have mass migrations of people you know, you have the Germanic tribes, you have um, Mongols, you have groups that have traveled to, because they were not safe. And what they most humans desire is to simply have peace, a place to raise their children and their families, yes. um, something to eat. And this, the tragedy of so many millions of people throughout all time who have had to wander and, and, and be constantly moved to try to find that. So the song interestingly is about that desire of ages is about that. It's couched sort of in this electronic, you know, backdrop, but it's stuff like that, that I, I think about. And 
I wouldn't say like I'm, I'm deeply philosophical, although that was my undergrad degree, but these issues, you know, um, skimming stones, um, was written at a time when I was living in Ireland and I felt very disconnected in many ways, um, and very alone. And I felt this particularly with the spiritual side, I felt very distant, like, is there just an observing God who just goes, cool, you're going through this. And so Skimming Stones is about that, about mm. um, trying to find a connection to who you are, to who people are. So those, those sorts of themes yeah. are in some of my music. And I think because of that, the music itself, I shape around these thoughts and ideas. Yeah. I would describe the atmosphere from every song that I've heard multiple times and I never get sick of them multiple times the songs that I've listened to it's an ethereal atmosphere that I pick up on when I hear it it creates a whole nother world around me I could be in the middle of well where I previously worked I worked in a barracks at a military college and at night you know it's it's a crazy place there's things that are going on it's very noisy you got all sorts of things going on you can feel the depression sometimes that were on on the cadets that were in there but i would play that and would just clear the atmosphere in my office and i'd be able to think clearly and it was pretty amazing <laughs> what it did it just kind of drove out the stuff that i didn't want in the room with me and it was really really kind of special how it did, how it did that so i would say this is my opinion glenn's glenn's opinion on raven's heart is that it's an ethereal atmosphere and there's such a spiritual aspect to all of your music and i was thinking about it as you were saying it most of today's pop music or the music that you hear on the radio appeals to the lizard brain we're familiar with the lizard brain the immediate oh yeah donut i want that oh sex i want that oh i want that car oh i want to go to the club oh i want beer right now that's what it appeals to but yours, uh, you, you have a degree in philosophy. You studied in Ireland as well. What was it that you studied in Ireland? So I did a master's degree. I, my undergrad uh, was a bachelor's in history. And then I did a master's. It's technically an MPhil, but it was actually a lot of enlightenment uh, and reformation and that period of history. Um, and so it, it sort of encompassed that, but it's, it's an MPhil degree. Um, but we got into, you know, I, did, you know, did multiple philosophy courses as well um, for that. And so, yeah, so that that's the, that's the level level that you're riding on. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, I, everything I, that you, I think yeah. I've also I've also always been um, I've always been, and I get this I think from my mom. I'm a sensitive person, mm -hmm. um, and I used to a lot of times sensitive people or people who are pretty highly empathetic doesn't make me I'm, I'm a perfect person, but I, I've always been a sensitive, I was a sensitive kid. And so like if someone was hurt or I, I would wonder about things, I remember having existential angst when I was like five years old. I remember asking my mom these questions about God and about doing right and being right and doing good enough. And so I always struggled with those things. I think they've been part of who I am. And, you know, many people that do that, they go in through a phase of their life where they become very sort of hard. And I did that. I use a lot of humor and sarcasm to sort of protect myself from things because I knew that I was highly impacted by how other people were feeling or what people thought of me. 
And so I use that to sort of become this, you know, wiseacre. And I sort of was able, luckily able to really assess and go, hey, being a sensitive person, thinking about deeper things, wanting better things, wanting to understand the world, wanting to understand spiritual things, God, um, why we're here, the bigger questions, the existential questions. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you, you know, a weak person. So I think that music allows me to address those issues in a creative way yes. uh, to help me. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excuse absolutely. Me. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> we, we were actually going to do this edition on Monday night, but <laughs> it's that time of year that gets oh, everybody. Like, yeah, strep throat, guys. And so I'm. <laughs> Are we doing another song, Glenn? Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah, you want to go ahead and do that? We'll we'll do another. We'll play another song okay. so you can grab some water. Totally up to you. If, if you want to do that now, I can. I can. Grab yeah, let, let's go ahead and do that because this is one of the reasons why I say we were separated at birth. I, ever since I was a kid, I loved and I still love Christmas music, and I'm talking good Christmas music, not all I want for Christmas is you drives me out of my tree. Grandma got run over by a reindeer is fun. The first time you hear it each year. And then after that, it gets old, but I like the songs that are about what Christmas is about. And that is about the birth of Jesus. That's, that's what it's all about. So we're going to play a song and then we're going to let Justin go get a glass of water. It's called, yeah, far, far away on Judea's plains. Justin released this. This is what, this is what pushed me over the edge. So it's like, okay, I got to get this guy on. This is far, far away on Judea's Plains, a Christmas song done by Sleep Thief. Joyous strength 
Is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> if I may quote a great Christmas special. As we close tonight, Justin, what is it about Christmas music that draws you and why? Because you release other Christmas songs as well on SoundCloud. How does that fit into Sleep Thief, the project as a whole? So what draws you and why is that such a good fit for you? Yeah, I mean, I and I'm working on, I, I think you probably know this, but I am working on a full-length album. I've released tracks periodically just to say thank you to fans. It's free download. I, I've never commercially released it, but I'm actually working on a proper, you know, 13, 14 track, hopefully by next year. But awesome. um, I grew up um, uh, Christian, and um, I was raised in the Mormon faith. Um, but great parents, uh, really important uh, for me f uh, from a foundational and formational standpoint. Um, I have had really important spiritual experiences um, through my faith. Um, so I'm a, a true believer in prayer, in meditation. I believe that prayer for yourself, for other people, um, actually can create physical change in the world. I believe yes. that the mind and the heart combined um, acknowledging for me that the, the absolute existence of a higher power, some people would say a higher energy. Some people would say it's a being, I have my own personal views on that, but, but I've seen really miraculous things happen. People being healed. I've seen, I've just had insane, wonderful things happen. So for me, with my religious foundation and my belief, Christmas was always deeply, deeply special. Um, I, am, I am a Christian still. I am a, a definite um, adherent. Um, and I think the example of Jesus Christ, whether you look at him as a purely historical or as a from from a religious or historical standpoint, it's it can't be debated um, what his message was and it can't be debated what he brought and it can't be debated um the level of person this individual was. And so for me on my beliefs and my, the way my parents handled Christmas, it was always just this really insanely magical, special time that was spiritual and exciting and full of light. Um, yes. Even though it's the darkest time of the year, you know? And so also because of the, my appreciation for hymns, um, I think that's an important thing to mention too, is that I've always loved um, uh, religious music. Mm -hmm. And I took coursework when I was in college. I remember taking uh, some classical. So 
choral works. Um, I love early modern, um, some of the early modern work. I love the Catholic, a lot of the um, um, early works that feature choral. Yes. Big fan of that. Again, all the harmony. So for me, it was sort of a natural thing to say, I love Christmas. I love the feel of Christmas. I love the the music of Christmas. I am like you. I When you said this, I, I started laughing because here's another extreme similarity. I do not like pop Christmas stuff. I mean, if you're shopping, you know, if you're in the mall, it's fine. It's in the background. But, you know, this, this, um, uh, so it's Christmas. What have you done? This, these songs that are, you know, sort of just these um, doo wop songs. I'm just not a fan of it. No. And no. I, I would, you know, it's fun again in a party setting. But for me, when I decorate the house, when I, Christmas morning, I play like Handel. I play Bach. I play, um, you know, um, the early Christian hymns. I, yes. I play the stuff that is is really moving for me. And so that's where where I started going. I want to not only write some original songs because some of my my Christmas tracks are original pieces, but which is really fun to do. Um, but also, I want to take hymns and songs that I grew up with or that I feel are special, mm-hmm. and present them. So that's, that's why I do Christmas music. I love it. And we're going to close out and I'm going to share the rest of the story with you, Justin. As I said, I am a brain tumor survivor. I had a pituitary remove, uh, pituitary tumor removed in 2008. It was 2008. The recovery was bumpy and I was on a lot of different medications and because of the way the recovery went, the doctor said, this is the way you're going to be. And I don't want to get into the details of that, but it was very difficult. I could function and I could function well on the medications. But three years after the tumor was removed, I had to go back to the doctor for an evaluation, my endocrinologist, because I just did not feel well at all. I was feeling very sick. I was like, what is wrong with me? They did the tests, they ran the blood tests, and the blood tests came back that my body was getting back into function again. And I am completely 100% healed. Wow. And the doctor asked me, you know, I, I can't explain this. I was like, I can. Jesus healed me. There is no question in my mind. And your music was part of that gift that he gave me in the healing process to deal with the pain. And I also believe that there are certain physical aspects that music does, that good music does to your body in bringing about that healing process. And I just went back last month for my annual check and I am, I am 100% healed. No doubt about that whatsoever. I know who did it, and it's Jesus, who is the reason for the Christmas season, and Justin's music, because God, because Jesus, and I'm going to be very specific, Jesus used Justin to create a medicine for me wow. to help heal, and That's, that is the facts. That is, honestly, I am beyond touched by that, and I am endlessly amazed by how small things are brought into our lives that become very big things and the mysteries what we call the mysteries of life 
there's something behind it, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's someone there and there's always, we're, we're not alone. That's like, mm-hmm. I would love to let everyone who's listening, you are not alone, no matter what your situation is. Sometimes we feel we are brought to our very bottom and we are. Um, but if you hang in there and you truly open your heart, what happens is, is you always look, you can look back and say, ah, that was horrible, but it was exactly what I needed. Yes. (laughs) It was only through this process that I elevated. So I, I'm so happy you're here. I, I, again, thank you so much. And I feel just really honored by your story and just, I'm, I'm just honestly overwhelmed. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Please share this with all of the artists that you that you work with, because they were part of that process as well. Every vocalist that you used uh, played a major, major role in that healing process. And it's it's so funny because Justin asked me, he's like, how did you find me? And it's like, well, I was listening to symphonic metal and I actually wrote a book about how God was using how God uses symphonic metal and metal and hard rock. The the that to bring about the healing process. Cause that was all part in there. And it was in pa- on Pandora that your music was inserted in between delaying within temptation and Nightwish, And I was like, Ooh, what is this? And I got, I got hooked immediately. I was like, wow. And <laughs> I listened to it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I am, I am again, grateful to you and I will let, I'm definitely going to share this with, with all the listeners. And I, it's important. I think I always have to acknowledge the singers because they, the music wouldn't be what it is. I mean, it wouldn't exist in, in, in any form. And same with Israel, like my, my producer, he, he is, gosh, he has really taken my ideas and really, he's like the fine art sculptor at the end who goes over everything and just makes it sound right. So thank you. He does a phenomenal job. Thank you all. And I can't go any for I think anything after that would be anticlimactic. Justin, thank you so much. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. It's not happy holidays, people. It's Merry Christmas is what Merry it is. Wonderful New Year and just many blessings to anyone who's listening. All is well. Don't be worried. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hey, and I will be back next week. Before we take a, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break in January to readjust things and improve things and enter into our eighth season of Raven's Heart. But I'll be back next Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And until next week, everybody, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.